We've been speaking this week, or this weekend, from Isaiah 43, specifically verse 19. The first day we spoke a little bit, um, we, we, we dwelled a little bit on the old things. And we talked about what the old things were. The old things that we often remember. The miracles that happened. Not only did the, did the Israelites remember the old things that happened during the Exodus, I also know that many times we remember the old things that have happened in our lives and in our ministries. And we came to a point that we said, uh, and the scripture said, forget of the old things. And then goes to verse 19 and says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? And goes ahead to say, I make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We've talked about new things. We talked about the new way. And now we are talking about new rivers, new streams that the Lord is making. Yesterday, one of us pointed out that it seems so wonderful to see the new ways today in which we can share the gospel. And I appreciate the fact that she said these new ways can also be a challenge to the gospel. And that is true. There's a lot of competition today for attention. And it's very easy for the gospel to be outcompeted in this current generation. And one thing I do is to always choose to be proactive. I think we have been put in a situation where there is a lot of competition. And because of this competition, we just have to keep up. And I choose to be positive. I choose to focus on the opportunities and not neglecting the threats that come with those opportunities. And it's always good to remember that as we go into mission, there are threats to mission. And we have to keep up to it. We talk about, let us turn over to the new rivers, the new streams in the Westlands. And I like this you know, particular part which says, new rivers in the Westlands. Rivers or streams represent a steady and less dangerous flow of water. Rivers and streams provide a steady flow. This is contrasted with the water that Moses hit the rock to get an oasis of water for people to drink and for their livestock to drink, but still on their way. They were not yet settled. It's contrasted with bitter water. You remember the bitter water in Mara, where Moses had to put a branch in order for it to be sweet again, to be drunk. 
And now, as people remember that water, those old things, the Lord says, I am doing a new thing. I am you know, providing and making streams in the wastelands, lands that had nothing, desperate wastelands, are making streams in them. The fact that water is a key component and necessity of life cannot be overemphasized, I'm sure with that. Water is a daily interaction for each one of us. It's needless to say also that water is life. Water is life. Water is something that is important in everyone's life. Not only in everyone's life, but also in the life of everything else. Whether they are wild animals, whether they are flies, whether they are plants, both domesticated and wild. Water is a common denominator. It's required everywhere. But in the right quantities. <laughs> Excess water causes floods. Some of you came in the floods over this weekend because of a little bit of excess water on the land. But this water collected together into lakes and you know, big flowing rivers may be both dangerous and also a blessing. Just take note of that. Now, to have water, streams of water, is to have less dangerous, steady flow of useful water. Water in the wastelands restores everything, restores animal as well as plant life, human life, domesticated life, wildlife, everything else. That's why when you read the next verse of chapter 43 of Isaiah, he says, even jackals in the wilderness praise the Lord because the water is available. In the text we read today, John chapter 14, I mean chapter 4, we find the discussion between a Samaritan woman and Jesus. Jesus genuinely is exhausted and thirsty of a long journey, and he has come through this path. Now, Jesus needed water to drink. He was exhausted of the journey that he had taken. The Samaritan woman also comes to the well, and they meet at this point, each one of them needing water. The Samaritan woman comes at midday, a very unusual time for collection of water in that hot environment. And there, at that unusual time, meets with Jesus. I think she met what she has longed for for years. Sometimes you get out of the comfort zone to be able to, to meet what you have required most. And this was a big surprise to the lady. But look at the discussion where it begins. Jesus asks for a drink from a woman. And the woman points out to some social divisions that have been there. And Jesus takes the argument 
to a theological conclusion. <laughs> Jesus says, give me a drink of water, woman. And the woman said, remember, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan and a woman. <laughs> Two things there, Samaritan and also a woman. You are a Jew and you are a man. I don't know whether you have come across cultures where even the utensils that you use cannot be shared. I heard these stories in India. The Dalits cannot share, cannot touch anything that belongs to the high caste. They should not even pass by. If, um, if a Dalit borrowed water, wants to drink water from a high caste, they may not deny the water, but if they should offer, they will pour the water into the hands of the Dalit because they must not touch the utensils that are used by the high caste because if they did, they have polluted and they have made it unclean. Now, this is the situation that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews. They were not expected to meet nor share anything. They were not even supposed to talk to each other. And as a Jewish man, you should not talk to a Samaritan woman. And here is this Jew, very unique Jew, asking, no, talking first of all to a Samaritan woman and asking for a drink and asking to drink from her own pot. And the lady says, this is impossible. We cannot share. And Jesus drives the, the discussion, says, woman, if you knew who was asking for a drink from you, you would have asked him to give you life-giving water. And you would never be thirsty again. And then the lady turns over the conversation. Because of her mindset, her mindset is that you must have a well, you must have a vessel to put down into the well and collect water. That is her mindset. And Jesus turns around that mindset and says, and, and then the lady talks about Jacob, because that well was sunk by Jacob. And it was the same well where Jacob, his family, and his livestock drank from. Now the lady is now going slowly into the theology, <laughs> into theology, and talks about Jacob and the great ancestor. And there, they again meet with Jesus. And Jesus says, Now let me say this. The woman, like many other men and women, 
have refused to let go of their resources that God asks them to release for God's mission. You'd find this everywhere. It's very easy for us to think about this lady denying Jesus a drink, but it's very difficult for us to notice that even today, it's hard for people. Maybe it is easier in the UK, in Africa, for people to release their resources for mission. Jesus is asking for a drink of water because he's exhausted of a mission trip. We are kind of struggling with this mindset, even in, with our churches in Africa. When you ask churches to provide resources for mission, sometimes they think some of these resources should come from somewhere else, from the West or from someone else. And we are trying to deal with this attitude. And I'll let you know that it's beginning to change slowly but surely. I really thank God for many of you who have offered generously towards mission work. You have done it. And I say thank you. There are people who have supported you. They may not be here. Would you send them a thank you note on my behalf? And say, I say thank you for offering a drink of water for purposes of mission. They did not just offer it to you. They offered it to Jesus. And Jesus says, whoever gives this for the sake of the kingdom gave it to me. I res in response to the woman's, you know, meanness, she was mean, because of the culture and the mindset, Jesus makes the point and says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But everyone who drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. One time, um, I was, uh, while I was pastoring a parish, when I was pastoring a parish, we used to have a number of activities. And there's this elderly man who was once a chief. He spoke in church and said, friends, whenever there is an opportunity to give for God's work, I want to be the first to give. And he said, you see my banana garden. It has fed every visitor who comes to this church. But I still have bananas in them. Anytime you need, go and cut. It has never gone dry. And we have lived with people who had much more resources than I did. They were so mean that they would never ever give to the ministry. Today, if they are lucky to be alive, they have nothing in their gardens. 
This is not prosperity theology. <laughs> but this was a testimony that an elderly man gave. And for sure, he has always given. He has never, ever lacked. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what Jesus says? That if you keep it to yourself and even drink, you'll be thirsty again. And you'll be thirsty and thirsty again. But should you release it for the ministry? The fact that you have satisfied others will be even a greater satisfaction to you. May I mention that the work and resources that CMS has released over the years across the world, and particularly to Africa, has brought life to millions. And the givers have never been thirsty because they have become, what they release has become life to themselves and have passed on that life across the world. I see many families in Africa being freed from all sorts of abuse and, and, and lack as a result of the programs of CMS Africa supported by CMS and those who have given. I gave an example yesterday of Mercy in Kisumu who is dealing in fish. We never gave her money, but we just sent a facilitator to go and train them for three, four days and Mercy's life turned around, plus the rest of the 50 women that she, they have been struggling with. Life came back to her family. We talk of, you know, groups of women in Kinshasa, groups of young people in Rwanda, in Burundi, in South Sudan, in Sudan. I talked about the young people who have been transformed in Burundi and transforming their church making an, a, a huge impact on their church, on their environment. They are planting thousands of trees. I talked about the youth in Uganda who is you know, opening a furniture workshop. He was so disappointed with life, with his parents. But when we you know, shared with him, some of you may not even know that the resources that you gave went to that young man and has turned his life forever and his family and the generations to come will be different. We talked about the slums in Kibera. These young people, Isaac, uh, Veronica, who have turned their lives around. I did not tell you about the seed projects, the seed projects that are happening in Nairobi, in Kawangware. Some of you know about this if you have been to Nairobi. Kawangware, another slum. In Soweto, another slum. In, in uh, Several other slums in Nairobi with people like Meshak Okumu, like uh, Meshak Oduke, starting projects, beginning schools that have turned around millions and I mean hundreds of lives. We talked about children, you know, Hitha talked about the, the, the children in Tanzania, the families, the women, you know, Mim, you talked about the, you know, the, the disabled who, who nobody remembers. Yeah, please write a thank you note for those people who supported that ministry. It's such an amazing thing to see those lives change. Talk about what happened in Chiwoko Hospital, in Chisizi Hospital. Guys, 
Are you still thirsty after giving? Aren't you so satisfied? Isn't your thirst so fit? I mean, it's so gone. We talk about local partners, people like, uh, you know, Rachel Karanja, who are spending lives, I mean, times with their communities. Bisoke, some of you know Bisoke. Some of you know June Bosco with Kimbilio, working with children, hundreds of children, helping them to, I mean, to feed them and to support them just because of little support. By the way, sometimes you give us 20 pounds and it is just a lot of money that takes, you know, a family through generations of transformation. One meal, lunch that you would have, just say you fast two days and you just offer that two days lunch. For some, you have finished school for, some, for another child. 90 days they are in school. You've kept them in school. But if you add that meal, you'll need another meal tomorrow. You'll be hungry again. But if you release it, some child will never be hungry for life. Praise the Lord. We talk about dioceses transformed. Machakos, Mbere, Makweni. Dioceses like Lekrukwa in Tanzania, Mukono Diocese in Uganda, through little work that we've done together. Little resources that we've put. Life has, you know, gone around. The life-giving water mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 47 very beautifully describes how the little water gather down the stream to form even, you know, big bodies of water. And, and, and you know, it, it says that when this water flows, wherever they go, life comes. Trees will bear fruit every single month. They, they are, their leaves never dry, they never fall. You see that beautiful description in, in Ezekiel 47. You know, this is a beautiful picture of how rivers, new rivers, turn around lives. And I pray. that little contributions that we gather will continue to grow and will continue to bring new life in rivers that God talks about and that these rivers will turn millions of lives, will transform millions of lives across the world. Will you be faithful to join God with this, in these new streams, in these new rivers. May you be part of it. And may that river, may, do, may, may, may those resources that you provide make you never be thirsty again. <coughs> Praise be to God. Let the living water Flow over my soul. Let your Holy Spirit come and take control of every situation that has troubled my mind. All my cares and burdens unto you I roll. Father, we thank you for your word, 
We thank you for the new ways, the new rivers, and the new things that you're doing in everyone's life and in your ministry. They are surely greater than the old things. And we thank you because you are the God of the old things. You are the God of the new things. You are the God of the future. Lord, lead your church. May we be part of that transforming mission. And may your people never be thirsty as they give to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.